Kate Mullaney was uh, able to get the iron molders union to essentially um, stand alongside the laundry workers uh, and pick it with them and a sign of solidarity and a sign of strength. I'm a big believer in the dynamism of live theater. I think it just allows you to connect with the people rather than being focused on the the where and the why and the how, it really allows you to connect to the who. And um, I just think it allows the story to wash over people and to affect them more viscerally and more emotionally than it would if they were just reading about it on the page. Yesterday, the Kate Mullaney National Historic Site in Troy, New York, celebrated its grand opening following the restoration of the 1869 home of Kate Mullaney, who formed and led the nation's first all-female union, the Troy Collar Laundry Union, in 1864. This coming Saturday, June 17th, the musical Don't Iron While the Strike is Hot, which tells the story of the 1864 Troy Collar Laundry Union strike, will be performed at the Coho's Music Hall in Coho's, New York. Earlier this week, I talked with Owen Smith, who's directing the musical. And on Labor History in Two... The year was 1937. That was the day consumers, power company employees near Flint, Michigan, shut off generators and turbines at the Zilwaukee Power Plant. I'm Chris Garlock, and this is Labor History Today. theater company that that does a very large free outdoor festival style set of shows here in, in Albany, New York, in Albany's Washington Park. So we are doing this sort of as a, a, a service to the uh, Kate Mullaney site um, alongside doing our big summer Broadway style musicals in the park. So in a, in a certain sense, it's it's a bit crazy, but it's also for me a, a enjoyable in a way to be able to, while this we're working on these big sort of huge scale Broadway shows to do something that is not only more intimate, but that focuses on something right from our local area, you know? Um, so it's, it's, it's great. We're glad to be doing it. Now, did you know about the uh, Kate Mullaney and the union before all of this came about? No. And that's one of the things I like best about the project. You know, as, as a theater artist, you always want to tell stories of significance and there's a desire to, be talking about things that matter to your audience and what what is more significant and, and more important than our local history, right? And I, I grew up in the Capital Region. I've lived in the Capital Region my entire life with the exception of a stint where I was working in theater down in New York City. And when Paul Cole came to me with this script, it was the first time that I had heard about any of this local history. I had no idea the role that that Troy had played in uh, advancing, you know, organized labor for, for women in this country. And so it was a a real delight to get to know that story. And just last week, I had the chance to actually go to the Kate Mullaney National Historic Site over in Troy. Uh, and, and you know, it's not very often as a theater artist directing a show that you get a chance to so acutely immerse yourself in the world of the play. And so to be in this building and, you know, initially I'm on the first floor, uh, talking to Paul, looking at sort of the, you know, various exhibits and things that are very, you know, sort of informational, you know, 
and then sat in his office on the second floor for a moment, but then went up to the third floor where they really have a a, a recreation, a, 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 an accurate recreation of what Kate Mullaney's home was. And it sort of took my breath away. You know, it was it was like stepping into a different time and place. Can you give folks just a quick recap of what happened with the strike? Certainly. Well, the the strike was born from, you know, poor labor conditions uh, for laundry workers in Troy, uh, uh, mostly women, mostly Irish women. As it happens, the story is very much rooted in Irish American history uh, and essentially the uh, Kate Mullaney led the charge to uh, stand up for a better wage, stand up for better conditions. Uh, and initially, the response of those around her was one of fear, as it so often is when organized labor tries to stand up initially for, for their rights and, and fight for their rights. Uh, and those around her basically told her, this can't be done. You know, we're just women. Um but ultimately, she, Kate Mullaney, was uh, able to get the Iron Molders Union to essentially um, stand alongside the laundry workers uh, and picket with them and a sign of solidarity and a sign of strength. And, you know, there had been um, some labor dustups and some, some um, strikes and things in, in Lowell, Massachusetts. But this was the first time that a group of women came together to, to form a true organized labor union. Um, and after you know a, a relatively short time picketing uh, out in the cold, uh, you know they were able to achieve really everything that they were asking for. You know to achieve a meaningful raise, to achieve improvements to conditions, to achieve uh, a, a set workday. So what she was able to do was really, um, really fantastic and incredible and admirable. Um, and. It's just a shame in a certain sense that that history isn't as well known. And so I think that that's what drives Paul and, and the National Historic Site, the Kate Mullaney National Historic Site, is to tell that story. And what better way to tell that story than with a, uh, you know, sort of a theatrical recreation? Uh, you know, this is a short musical that's been done a couple of times. This is the first time it's being done in sort of a professional uh, mu musical theater venue like we have here at the Cohoes Music Hall. Uh, and, you know, the Cohoes Music Hall is it, in its own right, just got such an incredible history. It opened around the time that all of this would have been happening. You know, this building opened in the 1870s. So we're not too far off. Um, so that that's sort of the, the gist of the story. It's really it's really something. What's the background of the musical itself? How'd that come to be? It was written by uh, Ruth Henry, uh, and she collaborated with Paul Cole from the historic site. This is a, a story that that speaks to both of them, and Ruth has some background in theater. Uh, and she did a wonderful job. You know, the songs are all original songs. They're sort of inspired by Irish-American music, uh, Irish folk music. Um, but you know, it, this version of the play that we're doing is a uh, a shorter version that actually was brought to schools throughout the Capital Region at one point. And it's something we're looking at doing again, because I think it's just such an important story for uh, uh, children to have access to. And, um, you know, they came to us sort of with a desire to take the show to the next level and, and do it here in this professional venue. And so the event is really going to be a fun event for anyone who has an interest in organized labor history in America. America, for anyone who has a, a, any interest in Irish American history, um, you know, the event is going to feature a pre-show talk with uh, with Ruth and with Paul about the history, not just of Kate Mullaney and this particular labor movement, but also of the show itself and, and the genesis of that. 
Uh, and that's going to be followed by a brief performance by an all-female Irish band from the capital region here called Triskaly, and they're fantastic. They put on a wonderful, fun show. And then after a brief break, we'll, we'll have the show performed, the Don't Iron While the Strike is Hot, which is a great title for this show, given the given the subject matter. Uh, and, you know, it's uh, about probably about just about 45-minute musical, uh, short musical that, that will feature five remarkably talented folks that have worked with us with Playhouse Stage Company for many years in various shows. Um, and it really is just, you know, it covers these years of history from the from sort of the invention of the detachable shirt collar, which is, uh, you know, predates Kate Mullaney's involvement, but that the, the invention of the detachable shirt collar happened in Troy. And then fast forward to the laundresses working in unsafe conditions and Kate Mullaney ultimately making a stand. Yeah, I think a lot of times we can think of history as, you know, that class at school that was boring and dry. And, and I always had trouble memorizing the dates and facts. I was terrible with those. How do you make that into something entertaining and something that, that folks are, really can connect with? Well, I think you're hitting the nail on the head right out of the gate with that question with what the the benefit of telling a story in this format is, which is to sit down and read a textbook or to read a pamphlet that has the pertinent days and dates and, you know, just sort of lays out in an expository way uh, the history of this is one thing. But to see it sort of come alive on stage, you know, I'm a big believer in the dynamism of live theater. And I think as we come out of the pandemic, we're looking for opportunities to reintroduce people to why it's important to watch a story unfold live in front of you, as opposed to watching it on a screen or reading about it, uh, again, in, in the case of history, in a textbook. Um, I think it just allows you to connect with the people rather than being focused on the the where and the why and the how, it really allows you to connect to the who. And, uh, you know, Kate Mullaney was a very interesting person. And to have an actress be able to sort of get inside her head and to make choices about how to interpret these lines and, and give them intention and give them meaning, um, I just think it allows the story to wash over people and to affect them more viscerally and more emotionally than it would if they were just reading about it on the page. Um, we all can recognize the human condition, right? And I think a lot of uh, organized labor is about getting people to to recognize that human condition and to respect it uh, and to and to make sure that every human val is valued in their work uh, and treated fairly and, and respectfully in their work. And so I'd like to think that people watching this story unfold, if they're, you know, I know a lot of the folks that are going to come to the show are people who are from organized labor uh, trades in the area. I hope that this resonates with them. Uh, but I also hope for those people who might be outside of that world that it, it opens their eyes a little bit to why why did labor unions need to for, uh, form to fight sort of the greed, the corruption, the ill treatment of, of human beings. Um, and I think that the theater is just a, you know, I think of of Waiting for Lefty, the play Waiting for Lefty, where the transit workers, you know, went and saw it and, and you know, were shouting strike in the in the halls of the theater. I mean, to me, that's just such a such a seminal moment in American theater. Uh, and so this is this may not be waiting for Lefty and it's in its historic historical significance. We may not be on Broadway, but in our little way here in our corner of the capital region, 
I like to think that we have the uh, opportunity to affect some hearts and minds by people getting to watch the story actually unfold in front of them. And certainly, you know, I'm a big musical theater person. My company produces musical theater um, exclusively. And, you know, when it comes to tugging on the heartstrings and, 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 and getting people's minds engaged, music just has that magical property, right. Of being able to sort of engage people uh, and, and, and delight them and, and in some cases and inflame them. And so I think this, this, this show does all of that for this story you know this strike happened i think it's just about 100 160 years ago and uh it, it strikes me that oftentimes you know we sort of like our history in the past and you've probably heard this like you know maybe unions were needed back in the day right mm. uh but we you know we don't really need them now we've we sort of solved all these problems and i'm just wondering if if in working on this show if you've reflected i was just thinking uh the starbucks organizing started not too far from you in, in buffalo near my hometown of, of rochester um so let's hear it for upstate new york yep. um but i'm just wondering if if you've reflected on the connections uh between uh the the struggles in the past and today's struggles Entirely. I mean, it, it's impossible, I think, to hear this story without thinking about some of the current things, uh, you know, whether that be the um, effort by, to your point, Starbucks workers, not just here in New York, but across the country, but also uh, Amazon. You know, you think about, I mean, it's interesting. It's, it's, it's you know, this uh this invention of the detachable collar was all about workers being able to more quickly get their work done, right? To be able to get through 12 shirts in the time that it would take them to normally get through one shirt, right? And that creates sort of an urgency in the bosses, right? I have an order coming in, I need to get it filled. It doesn't matter if it's gonna take more effort. It doesn't matter if it's gonna take more time, it just needs to get done. Um, and not having the workers share in that in any way, but rather them just be sort of the brunt of getting the work, getting the labor done. Uh, you know, you think about that and then you think about certain advances and things that Amazon has brought to bear in the market. And, you know, it's the same idea, right? A two day delivery, but at the cost of what? At the cost of people, you know, not having a bathroom break for so many hours and to God almighty, of course, those folks want to unionize and probably need to unionize to, to protect their interests. History, unless we examine it, unless we explore it, and what better way to explore it than through an artistic experience, Unless we do that, we're bound ultimately to repeat it in some way. Um, and so I think that audiences, uh, and in particular young audiences that see this, this piece, have the opportunity to learn from it to prevent those kinds of mistakes and those kinds of um, horrible conditions and, 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 and treatment in the future. That's the hope. Are there any particular moments in the musical that, uh, you know, uh, for those uh, those people who either are thinking about attending or are curious about it, uh, that really stand out to you as, as sort of uh, exemplifying what you're talking about? Yeah, you know, there's a beautiful song uh, that that Kate's the the character of Kate's sister sings in in praying for her uh, success in in the uh, effort to strike. Lord, protect our Kate, give her favor and fate, keep your hand upon the workers as they strike, let the owners see there is dignity instead 
standing up for what is right. Let the honor seep. Uh, and then there's a beautiful song that Kate herself herself sings that is titled "What What Have We to Lose." Um, and to me, I find that quite inspiring that, you know, when your back is up against the wall, you know, uh, uh, rather than being uh, demure and just settling for what you have, why not swing for the fences? Why not say no, stand up and say, this is what I demand. This is the respect. This is the treatment that I demand. So, you know, I think that there are some really emotional and 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 um, touching moments in there. But I would also say, you know, to folks out there, obviously, you know, yes, this is a labor musical. Yes, it's a historically based musical, but it's still a musical. It's still fun. You know, there, uh, it still has, you know, moments of Irish dance and, and moments of levity. And, you know, for God's sake, Uncle Sam is a character. You know, I mean, there's oh, wow. there, there's still some levity in there. Uh, so I think, you know, folks can still expect an entertaining afternoon or evening. You know, we've got matinee and evening performances. I think folks can uh, still enjoy uh, enjoy their time at the theater. I think whether it's a fan of organized labor, a fan of Irish American history, or just really just a general audience, it's something that could be a, a lot of fun for anyone. And you walk away learning something. And I would imagine there are a lot of people in the capital region who, like me, as engaged as you might be in the community, there's these little nuggets that you find that just surprise and delight you. And you think, gosh, you know, this happened here less than 150 years ago, give or take, you know, this, this incredibly vital moment in history happened right right outside my door so to speak you know uh, so i hope people come and experience it and are as proud of our region as i am uh in getting to tell this story I'm Rick Smith, and this is Labor History in Two. On this day in labor history, the year was 1937. That was the day consumers, power company employees near Flint, Michigan, shut off generators and turbines at the Zilwaukee Power Plant. 2,000 workers organizing with the Public Utilities Union under the direction of the UAW effectively cut off power to everything except hospitals, city sanitation plants, and dairies. The company's office workers joined the walkout, hanging a banner across the Flint District office building that read, Quit Stalling. The company had dragged its heels on an agreement promising union recognition, a closed shop, wage increases, and an end to 24-hour scheduling of troubleshooters. The strike cut power to an estimated 165,000 Flint residents. It also forced the closing of six area General Motors plants and impacted industrial centers like Saginaw and Bay City. The strike ended a temporary truce that Governor Frank Murphy had forced between the UAW and Consumers Power, which ended a several-hour-long walkout at the power plant earlier in the month. The strike paralyzed 13 counties across the Saginaw Valley. When news of the second strike hit, Murphy put the National Guard on standby. 
he snapped orders at UAW leader Homer Martin to get those lights back on. I will not stand by and see those people in darkness tonight. Top union officials insisted the strike was unauthorized and that a tentative settlement had been reached. But workers demanded to see the actual terms of the agreement before they agreed to go back to work. The workers ratified the contract. Tensions continued. Governor Murphy demanded that the county sheriff organize a special force to prevent future utility strikes, while the UAW vowed to curb wildcat strikes through investigation and discipline. Labor History in Two brought to you by the Illinois Labor History Society and the Rick Smith Show. And that's it for this week's edition of Labor History Today. You can subscribe to LHT on your favorite podcast app. Even better, if you like what you hear, sure hope you do, please like it in your podcast app, pass it along, and leave a review. That really helps other folks to find the show. Labor History in Two is a partnership between the Illinois Labor History Society and the Rick Smith Show. That's a labor-themed radio show based out of Pennsylvania. Very special thanks this week to Owen Smith at the Coho's Music Hall and Paul Cole, Executive Director at the American Labor Studies Center. Labor History Today is produced by the Kalmanovitz Initiative for Labor and the Working Poor, at Georgetown University. The Labor History Today team includes Ben Blake, Patrick Dixon, Leon Fink, Sherry Lincoln, Joe McCartan, Evan Papp, Jessica Pozak, and Alan Weirdak. For Labor History Today, this has been Chris Garlock. Thanks so much for listening. Keep making history, and see you next time. I may be on to something.